Hi, everybody. Welcome to the December Lymphedema Patient Roundtable hosted by LymphoPress. I am Alexa Ercolano. I work for LymphoPress, and I'm also a lymphedema patient myself. And while everybody's logging on, let us know in the chat where you're coming from. And in the meantime, I'm going to introduce our lovely panel here today. So we've got Kelly Bell, our veteran fighting lymphedema. He is a massive advocate for the community and for his own health too, and we love him for it. And he's got some news to share with us today about the Lymphedema Treatment Act and also talking about the recent National Lymphedema Network Conference, which a few of us on the panel were at. So if you were at the conference, let us know in the chat too. We'd love to know. Um, we've got Katherine Rosenberg, lymphedema patient, math teacher, and all-around awesome lady. We have Angela Jones, lipolymphedema patient, another awesome lady. Um, and we've got Amanda Sobey coming from Canada, and she's got some big news to share and celebrate with all of us, and we'll get into that later. And we have the lovely Nazarene Starner, a certified lymphedema therapist from Cleveland, Ohio, who will help answer our medical questions. But we always have the disclaimer, we do not give medical advice, but we will speak generally and from our own experiences. And we've got, as we said, Nazarene here to help field those as well. So hi, everybody in the chat. We've got some lovely faces, well, names, but uh, we recognize some of you all, Diane in Canada, MJ from Ohio, Robert from Pennsylvania, Albert from Southern New Jersey. Oh my gosh, all these lovely people. So happy to see you all. Um, so we also have a Q&A box. Please pop your questions in there too, and we'll try and get to them as we can throughout the evening. And let's get this going. Let's start with the National Lymphedema Network Conference. Now, Nazreen was a presenter there. She gave a few presentations and Kelly was there um, as a patient advocate. Let's, uh, if either of you wanna jump in first and talk about what made this year's conference different than previous years. Well, let Nazreen start with that then because I, I, that's my first one. <laughs> That's also my first one. So I'm not certain, but, but from what I've heard from other therapists who had attended, typically it is a lot of lymphedema therapists and advocates who typically go. And this year we also had a large presence of super microsurgeons and they were teaching us a lot about the lymphatics more so than just what we all do as therapists, but also there was surgical uh, time that we could go in there and watch them do surgery. And they had cadavers there, which they've never done anything like that before. The super microsurgeon said it was the most fun conference ever, which I could not stomach, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's why I'm not a surgeon. So, <laughs> but it was really a great conference. I learned a tremendous amount and I think it is wonderful that there is more than just, uh, our community, their plastic surgeons are really trying to help with this population as well. Yeah, I uh, I did go to the cadaver lab, and it was definitely something I'm glad I saw. But at the same time, probably shouldn't have gone before lunch. So, <laughs> but it was really neat. <laughs> And we have Karen Ashforth who just popped on too. She is a certified lymphedema therapist and was also at the NLN with us. So um, Kelly wanted to share his experience. And then Karen, if you have some insight too of things you learned at the conference, we'd love to hear it. Okay, this, this is my, uh, from a patient standpoint, advocate standpoint, this is my first NLN conference. And I'm gonna tell you, I was extremely impressed. Um, I was the, the, the presentations and what gets talked about. I mean, if you're ever curious that they're focusing on the patient, I'm going to tell you 100%. Um, at the end of the conference, the um, director, Jeanette Zuckerberg, literally was crying because she's so passionate about making sure there's consistent treatment for patients and patients are getting what they need. You know, and I just saw, like, I was impressed. So impressed, like, you know, I as a patient, I think everyone of you should join it just to see what information shared through NLM. But also for me, like, I'm going to tell you, I think it should be a requirement. Like when you go and you talk to your therapist, like if they're going to be your therapist, like, do you, are you a member of NLN? And then do you attend the conferences? Because 
there's so much great information. You guys know I'm always in the research, but I walked away from there learning so much and seeing so much. Like it really, like it really, you know, if you've ever felt like you're forgotten, I'm just going to tell you, you're in, in that community, you're not. You have people who are in a world that's probably not like represented that much. And so, but they, they're willingly going in and they're doing amazing things. And so for me, I was impressed. I, from that conference, if you're not a member, you should join, you should tell your therapist, they need to join and become part of it and stay engaged in it. Not just become, not just join it, but be engaged because there's so much great information and the discussions that were going on in the conference and outside. And I was even, Karen used me as a presentation. So for ultrasounds, it was pretty cool. That was my experience. The, the multidisciplinary aspect of this conference, I think, made it a little different than previous years, I think. And Karen, I think you've been to other NLNs probably, right? Um, this one felt different. It definitely did. I mean, there was a lot more physician participation and um, the emphasis on surgery was really different. Um, you know, having that uh, uh, cross-pollinization, as people have been saying, um, it's been really valuable to uh, have that uh, ability to uh, learn from other perspectives and lots of great networking. And um, I want to just echo what Kelly Bell said. Um, you know, uh, thank you, Kelly, for um, being there for me to be my subject in the ultrasound labs. That was amazing. Um, I do ultrasound imaging and um, Kelly just had all kinds of really wonderful things. And we were actually able to um, image him and then do some decongestion and re-image him and um, so we could actually see his swelling change in real time which was really fun um, and I think that the participants got a lot out of it so that was really really nice. Um, I thoroughly enjoy NLN anyway and this year was just so unique being able to be at the Cleveland Clinic and all the resources um, so uh, I was just very appreciative that, um, you know, we, we had this year um, uh, the, the way that it was um, programmed and uh, can't wait till next year. And I think as, as patients and Kelly and you expressed this as well, it's, it's just reassuring to see so many brilliant and talented minds, the therapists and the surgeons all coming together, so passionate and so dedicated to understanding what's going on with us and how to help us and help improve our quality of life. I mean, it's so easy to feel forgotten living with this sometimes. So being, it, it's just very affirming to see all of that. Like this was the uh, program here. This was all for us. <laughs> this was all for us patients. And it was, it was amazing. So um, definitely loved that. But thanks everyone for sharing your experience. Right. And I finally got to meet Nazarene in person. A wonderful experience in yeah, itself. She's a great, amazing. great, great therapist. Just so you know, I got to meet some of her patients, believe it or not. And they, they like, believe me, she, they love her. So that's, that's a sign of a good therapist. Well, thank you, Kelly. It was nice meeting you. And Alexa is, was a good advocate for my one patient who was newly diagnosed. So thank you to Alexa. And Kelly also, uh, I introduced to another one of my patients too, and they just hit it off and we're talking about, I don't, I don't even know everything under the sun, even, even all his military stuff. So, <laughs> I mean, he is just everybody, this community is just so great to help each other out. It's lovely. Speaking of helping each other out, as a reminder, if you have any questions, pop them in the Q&A box. Um, we'd love to try and answer those if we can. And speaking of advocacy and advocacy groups, Amanda Sobe, our very own here, she recently um, accepted a position as president of, it is the Lymphedema Association of Manitoba. Is that right, Amanda? Can you talk to us a little bit about LAM and what, what your plans are, Madam President? <laughs> Thank you. Um, I actually want to address, I don't know, I think a lot of us, we were the same when we were diagnosed. I was diagnosed in 2001, but met absolutely not a single person for 17 years. So I was left very alone, very isolated. Yes, I had a therapist, but I didn't have 
um, other people that were like me, I guess. And like, even when I went to some support groups, I'm a leg lymphy, so I would meet arm lymphies. And even though that we're similar, it is a bit kind of different as well too, because some of the, um, the issues, it's just, it's sometimes like is like, and you know, even though it's a similar condition, you know, wearing arm sleeves out in summertime is different than wearing legs in the summertime. Anyways, so I felt very alone and very isolated. Like I think a lot of people and you get really frustrated because your doctors might not know about this condition and you get really upset with this, this illness. And that's been my driving force behind everything that I do. I've taken my pain into my passion and I was very grateful to be nominated to take in presidency for the Lymphedema Association in Manitoba. And part of my goals is just create the advocacy, create the tools and the resources for people here in my hometown and my home province, I should say, um, to get the help that they need. We're still kind of a bit behind with where do you go? Who's going to be able to diagnose me? Where do I go for imaging? Who does surgeries? So just creating these resources for people that live locally to me. And then obviously we're going to hopefully do what the United States has done and, you know, start talking to parliament, start getting government um, to change. Each province is dealt separately, but then also too, we have a federal um, government. So it's a matter of trying to work within our provincial associations to get the help, but then also the bigger goal is to get that federal recognize, uh, recognizing, recognition. She probably worked in my presidential speech um, <laughs> for everybody. Um, we're hosting a symposium for World Lymphedema Day. We're going to do our third annual light up the legislative building and walk. Um, so just lots of stuff. So if you're up here in Canada, know that you're not alone. Uh, there are people like me working really, really hard to support you, um, get affiliated with your associations and volunteer. If you feel alone and if you feel like you don't know where to go and you can't find people like you, well, sometimes you got to just risk a little bit and get yourself out there to find the group of people. Because like, look at all the people that I get to sit with every every Tuesday of, not every Tuesday, but every second Tuesday of the month. Like I didn't realize that my community would eventually come around me because of my volunteering efforts. So take part. That is really exciting. And I love that you're a patient leading group too. I think that's really valuable. The insight that you're going to be able to provide is, is awesome. So congratulations from all of us and all of us in attendance here tonight too. Um, We've got some lovely regulars here in the chat. We got Fenton from Trenton tonight, our fave guy. We have Tina Kanko. We have MJ Tolls, who actually has a question for us that I'd like to posit to the group. She wants to know if anyone has found cryotherapy or infrared therapy, far red infrared therapy, excuse me, helpful for both lymph and lipedema. Does anyone have experience with that? I do. I actually, I actually have an infrared sauna and I have both lymphedema and lymphedema. And I found that the intense heat, my, my sauna will go up to 150 degrees. And I found that it is the most irritating, though comfort, as far as the warmth, it feels good. But as far as the, those conditions, it's very irritating for those conditions. It causes increased fluid retention for me. So even though it may feel good, I don't think it's the best thing, at least not for me it is, it isn't. For sharing that, yeah. MJ said she's only used the infrared pod. Amanda, what do you say? Um, cryotherapy, I thought from a lymphedema standpoint, I feel like it's more of a European method um, that gets to be used. Uh, for lipedema, I have absolutely zero familiarization with that. So I think it, it's a matter of understanding, I think you said lipedema, figuring out what stage you're at, if you're lipolymphedema, getting the proper resources. And I think um, everything that you do here, it's worth investing your interest in and in researching it, but not every therapy is going to be a, a good therapy for your body. But if you want to try it, try it out, but listen to your body. It typically tells you pretty quickly that it gets angry or if it works really well. So, uh, cryotherapy has been known for some lymphies, um, but I don't know about lipid lipedema specifically. And then the infrared is just 
make sure it's more so of a vascular treatment or a muscle treatment more so than a lipedema treatment or lymphedema treatment and no heat. Nazarene, I saw you raising your hand. Oh, um, first off, Amanda, I love your little puppy running around there. That's so cute. Oh, can you see her? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have had patients who are lipedema and lymphedema who've used both of those and some have great effects and some have bad effects. And so that's, I think, something just to think about with lymphedema, lipedema as a whole. The treatment is not really a one size fits all. Like we have to see, and just like Amanda was saying, what works for you, you're going to know pretty quickly. And so you may hear people say, oh, this worked great for me. And then it doesn't work for you. Don't get discouraged. There's other treatments that may work well for you. Yeah, that's a reminder we like to make on here a lot. And Angela, I feel like you always have a great uh, line about that too, like about how things that work for other people may not work for you. What is, what is it that you say? I feel like there's like a specific way you say it, but anyway, <laughs> it always just hits home. But it's always a good reminder, you know, lymphedema itself can present so differently among each of us and the treatments that work for each of us can vary a lot too. Amanda, go ahead. Sorry. And I think the thing too, though, is, is that as you dive more into your condition, there's various stages of lymphedema and there's various stages of lipedema. And it's really important to kind of understand what stage that you're at because certain procedures and certain therapies will work, you know, maybe at a stage one, stage two versus a stage three, stage four. So even though we're talking about the word lymphedema and kind of having an umbrella approach, you need to take it one step further and investigate into the stage of the condition that you're at. And then also finding out where exactly are you compromised? Um, it's gonna really benefit and target the special treatment that you need for your body. And cryotherapy and uh, infrared therapy might be a workable solution depending on the stage that you're in, right? So, sorry, it, you gotta, Anyways, I'll shut up, but no, that's no. just a it's piece helpful. of advice. And um, before we get to, we just got a really great question in chat that I would love to jump to next, but real quick, Sandy Hogel asked, how do we access cryotherapy and infrared therapy? Anything we should look for specifically? Or is it just kind of a informed Google search? What say you people have done? I always say, uh, <laughs> if you can find cryotherapy or infrared therapy, I always say go on a small test patch. Don't jump in full, full tilt. Um, go and seek out professional help. Don't try to do it in the comfort of your own home. First and foremost, if you go for a test patch on the first experience and you feel like it's a positive correlation, then keep on going. I tried infrared therapy for my legs specifically. It was ineffective, but I went for about six months. It cost me a lot. It took time out of my day. Um, but I went because I was assuming and thinking that, oh, I'm going for therapy. It has to work. Um, so it's just, it's kind of one of those um, situations that you should just be diligent, do a test patch, do your research, obviously ask your questions, but not every therapy out there may be beneficial for you. Like sweet old Angela always has to say. <laughs> now we have a question from Felicia Stanley. Hi, Felicia. She asked, has anyone here used the pump machine? Well, you are in the right place because <laughs> this whole round table is hosted by Lymphopress and we are a pneumatic compression therapy company. We have a pump that I, I use it, Catherine uses it, Kelly, Angela. Um, you don't have to use a Lymphopress obviously to attend. Kelly's pointing out he's got the pants suit behind him. Um, so anyone here would like to talk about their experiences pumping. And we've got people in the chat too, chiming in saying, I use the Lymphopress, I use the Lymphopod. Yeah, I use it every day. Okay, we love to hear that. And we have some other people using other brands too. There's a lot out there and we love to see it. So anyone wanna share their experience pumping for Felicia? Not to be specific, cause it's a very general question, but yes, it works. <laughs> And I use it all the time. So um, I, I think that's the best I can tell you. It, it works. It works for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, so do I recommend them? Absolutely, I do. Catherine, what say you? Um, one thing for with Lymphopress is that we have various options that are not available for others, um, That such as being able to turn chambers on and off if need be. 
um, and having multiple modes that are available that can be beneficial for one mode might be more beneficial for you than another one. Or as I do is I do one mode in the morning and when I do the second time at the nighttime, I do the other mode. I always think about how you, you, you said probably over the summer in a round table, you said how in the mornings you set your alarm and before you hit snooze, you get in your pump and then you sleep for like the treatment. And then you actually get up after that. And I, I love that idea. I haven't tried it myself yet because I'm a nighttime pumper myself, <laughs> but I do it with the I wave mode. if I do it in the morning, I do it with the wave mode in the morning and then I'll do the sequential at nighttime because the wave mode is more relaxing so I can go back to sleep. That's so smart. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. We've got lots of people in the chat saying, I love my lymphopress pants. Love how easy it is to put on and off. I have mobility issues, says Irene. Uh, Louise Parsons, I use the lymphopress for swelling in my legs with an excellent outcome. We're so happy to hear that. Um, yeah, pumps are a really uh, great tool for a lot of people to have in their lymphedema or lipedema toolkits. So um we, we just love to hear that it's helping people. Okay. And it can also, you can also use your nighttime garment to help with fibrosis. Um, as long as you talk with your therapist or doctor about it ahead of time. Um, and that may be, um, a reasonable, uh, cost-effective way to help with fibrosis compared to other options that may be available. Um, and I found that it's very effective. Yeah, and if anybody watching has any questions about Lymphopress or want to learn more about it, um, I'm going to put in chat our email address, marketing at lymphopress.com. Um, just shoot me an email and we can hook you up with a local compression therapy consultant. Um, and we'd love to chat with you about it. But there are obviously different um, brands out there too. Everything, you know, people, different things work for different people. But if you're curious about Lymphopress, we're the, you're in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see, we've got lots and lots of questions going on in chat and in the Q and a box. So as apologies, as I kind of try and catch up here, um, we have a question in the Q and a box from Deb Jardim, who is new to the group, newly diagnosed and has had lymphedema and lipedema almost their whole life. They're struggling with the cost for surgery since they can't get it approved through their insurance. Where can I go for help, Deb asks, and is there financial assistance? Um, anybody here, either in the chat or on the panel, have any suggestions? I know organizations like, um, I think the NLN still has a garment assistance program, but there are lots of resources through the larger lymphedema organizations, um, but this is always a tough one, and a lot of people struggle with this. Nazarene. So, um I wasn't sure if this question was specific to the surgery itself getting covered or not, but I do work for Cleveland Clinic and I work closely with a lot of the super microsurgeons. What I was going to say is many of the patients do not get it covered, even just the imaging the first time. Uh, so what I, I would say is ask the doctor's office to do a peer-to-peer -peer with your insurance. Uh, sometimes they have to do it two or three times, which is a lot of work for the physicians, but they do, they do it and they explain to them what the condition is. And so oftentimes they're having to speak with those insurance companies multiple times to get things covered. I'm not certain at what stage you're at, if it's about the insurance, um, but sometimes I'm so sorry if it's about just the scan, but even that one takes a while to get covered. What I found is once they actually can do the imaging study and it shows that there is an impairment to your lymphatic system, the actual surgeries get a little bit easier to cover because you actually have something documented saying what the impairment is. Amanda. I also... Um feel that it's important to address that even though that there's no cure for lymphedema and or lipedema, there is still so much a person can do to help themselves. So as you're waiting to talk to doctors and therapists and imaging and surgery, you can be proactive and no matter what state that you're at, there's things that you can do today that really can help alleviate some of the symptoms. And even still, when you're building up these habits and your toolkit, your lymphy toolkit or your lippy toolkit, 
you're still going to have to apply these habits till post surgical methods anyway. So it's really good to start getting yourself ready. There's a great tagline out there. Become the person that you want to be. Act like the person that you want to see at the end of the day. Start making those changes. If you can, if you are mobile and you're going for a walk, take one more step than you normally would. If you are looking at a lifestyle change, really try to make it so it's consistent and not erratic or a fad diet. Really try to find things in your lifestyle that you can implement that you can do because it's going to have to happen regardless at the end of post-surgical options or not. Yeah, Catherine. Just to piggyback off of what Nazreen was talking about with the appeal process and the peer-to-peer, sometimes you do have to make sure that your doctor does make sure that the doctor on the other end from the insurance company actually understands lymphedema. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, unfortunately, you will get a general practitioner who has not a clue what we're talking about and why the procedure or process or imaging is needed and there needs to be a lot more information provided. Whereas if you get a specialist on the insurance end that actually understands it, it makes the process a little bit easier. So it's always a good suggestion if your doctor has to do that to make sure that they know to request somebody who is familiar with the condition. I would say too, um, to piggyback off Amanda, Anything that you do of a conservative nature, like, you know, just the simple things, the walking, the massages, keep an adequate record of that because some insurance companies want to see that you've done the conservative measures before they even consider approving anything other than conservative. That's a really good point. I know that Kelly has a whole bunch of boxes of documentation, so he knows. that's great advice too. And MJ Toll said in the, in the private chat, but she said that Dr. Chen told her from Cleveland Clinic that it is often the case to get denied, but that he writes the appeals and said he has about 75% success in getting covered. So don't lose faith, MJ says. So that's a good reminder. Um, it's easy to get, feel discouraged, but don't, don't lose faith. It's a fight a lot of the time, but Kelly, I saw you raising your hand. I think this is kind of like a perfect segue to like your ad- the advocacy and um, like encouraging research because like today there was a group of lymphedema patients on Capitol Hill here in the United States that were visiting their centers, senators to try to get the Lymphedema Treatment Act covered just to get compression garments. And so like um, that's easy for if you're sitting at home and you can't get there, you can call your senators. Um, engage in stuff like that. I mean, if you're struggling and you want to want these things to become easier, engage in advocacy, engage in like groups uh, that are doing things like that um, to make a difference. Uh, NLN, uh, Learn Lymphatic Education Research Network, they're all trying to make differences and trying to make it easier for us. And so that's why I'm always trying to engage with those communities. But yeah, like today, Lymphedema Treatment Act, call your senators and say, hey, pass that bill. Yeah, and they have um, on lymphedematreatmentact.org, they have scripts already set up too. So you can use that if you do want to call your senator and you don't like, quite know what to say or whatever. They have it all the resources on lymphedematreatmentact.org. So you can just even go off the script and, and any little bit makes a difference there too. Sorry, was Karen having her hand up? Because I just had one final point. No, yes. No, oh, no, that was just a thumbs up. It's like, oh, go team. <laughs> and also too, I think like, I, I don't know about everyone else, but like I heard of surgical methods, you know, and I was like, oh yes, I'm going to be cured. But not everyone is a prime candidate for surgery. And there's certain surgeries that can happen and certain surgeries that can't. So if you're really that person thinking surgery is the only option, I need people to, I would like people to rethink and readdress that like we're such in a day and age where it's like, I have a condition, go get the pill, or I have an illness, go get the surgery. But even still with our type of issues, not all of us can get all of the surgeries listed based on the physiology of our bodies. So just, I would encourage you to do more research, link up with people, volunteer, learn more, follow people on Instagram who are amazing examples of a lipedema or lymphedema woman like Angela. She's amazing. 
there's just so many people that are thriving with this condition that I think it's good to learn from patients. Um, come to the roundtables, come participate, um, but don't put all your eggs into just one basket when it's about your health. You've got to learn how to diversify and keep your options open, keep asking those questions and just keep going forward. And just to piggyback off of Amanda, with people that are having the surgeries, it doesn't mean that all of your compression goes away. You may reduce mm. it, you may have to modify it, but it may be a better solution in terms of infection control or other aspects. So certain things may change for you. Whereas if I compared myself to Amanda and she had one and I had one, we might have completely different results because of our body's makeup. So you have to keep in mind that in reality, you may not, you're, you're potentially not going to get rid of every single thing that you do just because you have a surgery. It can help and it can improve it, but it's not going to necessarily make it reverse it and make it go completely away. And that's a big thing to keep in mind because some people think that, oh, I have a surgery, I'm fixed, I don't have to do anything, and then it backfires. And that's the last thing you wanna do with this condition is have it backfire. I'm so glad you made that distinction because I think a lot of people hear surgery and they think, oh, that's going to fix it. No more compression, no more having to do this, no more having to do that. And because it does feel like an albatross around our necks living with this condition sometimes. And it is tempting to think that there's one answer to it all. And it's, there's not, you know, it's vigilance, it's maintenance, it's management, but you know, we don't walk this path alone. We have everyone here. I mean, every month we're all here together to support and uplift and share our experiences and um, you know, so you're not alone with it, even though it can feel a little bit like that sometimes, and it can feel daunting, but you got a whole group of people all around the world, you know, behind you and, and sharing the experience with you. So, um, Felicia asked, and this is kind of a timely question too, with this time of year and everything. Um, does anyone here ever get a little depressed about it when things do not improve? And I think winter time for us here in the Northern hemisphere, um, you know, it, it can be a time too where these feelings of depression and sadness can sort of heighten. So we should maybe talk about that a little bit because um, I think I can answer for all of us. Yeah, there are a lot of struggles with depression and dark feelings. I thought it was an all year round thing. <laughs> oh yeah, well, <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving, no. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying not to be funny. That was a bit tongue in cheek. No, but no. I'm, I'm upset. I'm upset all year round, just yeah. to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> but how, what are some ways that you kind of deal with those feelings? Because with this condition, because it requires such daily care, it, it gets, it grinds you down. How do we all deal with that? How do we kind of cope? I want to jump I'll in. just keep going. I'm just on a roll. I don't know I'm just talking so much today. I don't know what's going on, but I think in the beginning of this condition, I didn't see change. That's got me down. But then when I started to get change and when I started to see other people and when I started to be like, this is manageable, this actually can be okay, then the game changed, but I'm, I'm still, I'm still miserable <laughs> um, in a sense, because you're, the way how I receive the condition, like nobody told me, nobody warned me. I didn't sign, I didn't sign up for this plan. Like I, I could have thought of a 10 other ways to live my life. I, I didn't, I didn't sign up to be in here in this, whatever, like in this condition, but I, it almost saved my life because I'm kinder to myself. I'm more patient with myself. I put forth good energy to make good decisions for myself. I try to surround myself with people that I can be safe with and be supported with. And I'm a better human now than I would have been if I was not sick. Um, and when it comes to Christmas time, okay, now that I'm in my maintenance phase, I do kind of have my cheat meals. I do go off and I eat the things that I, I feel like I want to. Um, it is sad because no one in my family has a condition. No one else can understand. Everyone just thinks it's a little bit of swelling. 
but I think it's better now than what it was in all the other years when I would wake up and think about my leg and I'd go to bed and think about my leg. And there was such a doom and gloom about my leg for 17 years. It was a constant depression for the leg. And now it's just, I sur- I'm, I'm thriving and surviving. And I'm passing the mic back to you, Alexa. Sorry, guys. <laughs> We've got two, two Kims in the chat. Kim Wally says, my treatment is not going so well. And I get upset when my legs swell badly, but I just push forward and hope tomorrow will be a better day. And Kimberly Blumeyer says, 100%, Amanda, the longer I have this problem, the easier it is becoming to deal with as I'm more in tune with my body. And that was a big topic at last month's roundtable when we were talking about lymphatic gratitude and the things that our lymphedema has taught us. And a big theme was it really taught a lot of us how to listen to our body in a different way. So that is kind of an unexpected silver lining. Catherine, let's hear you. So one thing to think about, if you know that your family has something planned that you want to participate in, I know we talked about this, I believe last month or the month before, is to really try to plan ahead in terms of what you need to do to be able to feel that you can participate um, in those activities, such as if you know you're going to be on your feet for a longer period of time because of an activity you're doing, prepare yourself by um, potentially using your compression pump earlier in the day or use it two times instead of just the one time, depending on what your doctor says. Um, and make sure that you have all of your necessities that you need for what you use to control your lymphedema the best ability. Like for me, if I go away, I need to make sure I have various pairs of shoes because I never know what shoes are going to fit. So I also bring, you know, different types of compression with me, nighttime compression pump, all those different things with me. So this way it doesn't hold, I doesn't have to hold me back because I need to do these things, but I can modify my schedule to, so I can fit what I want to do with everybody else into my treatment regimen that I need to do on a daily basis. We've got um, a comment from Ruth Adrian who says, no depression here. I always feel very thankful. It could be a lot worse. At least I still have my legs, great friends and family, and every day is a blessing. I love that, that attitude and perspective. I think that's important to kind of focus on the gifts in our lives. Definitely helps. Um, all right. Well, let's see. <laughs> Kelly, do you have anything? I see you. Are you just yeah, making fun of me? I'm just gonna. I'm gonna be that <laughs> other group, that one that says like, "What if you're doing everything right and things still go wrong?" Yeah. You know, and I just want to love you. I'm on here all the time. I'm talking about things. I'm talking about research. I try to be. I'm happy. But for me, when things go wrong, that means it's an organ. It's this. And so last week I found out, like, uh, got confirmation that now it's even starting to affect my brain. So um, what do I do? Like, that used to be like a spiral and an anchor. And what you do, what I do is I get angry for a little bit. I give myself that permission, but not to get stuck. And so... Then I take and I take, take and I change that and say, this is why I'm an advocate. This is why I want to make change. This is why I want to help. If I, you know, help me help others. And so I try to make the world like, like learn from me and try to try to be part of that change that needs to happen. Um, yes, there are days where I'm doing everything wrong or everything right and everything goes wrong. I mean, I think I three months ago I put on or four months ago now I put on. 40 pounds and like less than 48 hours, just woo. And I did nothing. <laughs> and so, um, so those are bad days. And then, so you just accept the good days, you know, the days you laugh, but don't let whatever spiral down be your anchor to sit in that misery. Try to figure out like a way to get out of it. For me, it's always like digging to the research, being part of my solution rather than waiting for someone else to come up with it. Um, and so engage with the community. That's what we're here for. And that's what I'm like telling you now, engage, because we need like, again, it's not all about simple answers. Some of these are difficult and some of these take time. So engage and like engage with us. Let us know your questions. And just so you know, some of us are doing everything right and still not having the success we like. So, but I still keep going and I 
I'm still happy to be here and I still love every day I wake up with next to my wife and be able to talk to my kids. So learn you, you learn to be a very appreciative of very simple things. So that's what I do. And Tina Kunkel in the chat, she referenced one of Catherine's great uh, sayings a while back. It's okay to have a pity party, but then you get back on track again. And Catherine had said that a few roundtables ago, and that resonated with a lot of us, including Tina. Um, and it's so true. You can't marinate in those feelings. You can acknowledge them. I, something that helps me is this uh, cognitive behavioral therapy technique where you imagine the negative thought or feeling like a, a leaf floating on the surface of a river and you can observe it. You acknowledge it's there, but you don't pick it up. You don't touch it. You don't, you know, mess with it. You just let it float by and you don't engage with that. And um, that's something that kind of helps me. Um, Benton from Trenton had a really good comment too in the chat. He says, I am stage three primary lymphedema and I'm overjoyed to have all of you here as my personal support group. We all have personal struggles and stories from our chronic condition, but even though this disease process is progressive for me, I can still walk, I can breathe, I can see the birds and listen to beautiful music and smell wonderful brewing coffee, and I'm in a routine to better my lymphedema care. Small victories, people. Find your small victories. I love that, Fenton. We should just end it right now. No, I'm just kidding. We got like 20 more minutes, but that was that was so well put. And MJ told us too, at 71, lymphedema has taught me a great deal about the human body. Such a miracle. It, it is. And uh, Fenton again, with an Ernest Hemingway quote coming in clutch, he says, mankind can be defeated, but never destroyed. So, and, and one more great quote, and then we'll move on. But Kimberly said, Kimberly Blumeyer, I had a friend tell me when I was going through cancer treatment that there are no bad days, only bad moments. And it stuck with me as a way to see through discomfort. I love all of these. <laughs> love them all. Thank you guys for sharing. These are so good and so helpful. Um, can we, I, can oh, I say one thing really quick, just about that? Yeah. And I, I don't have lymphedema, but I do work with a lot of patients and I do have, sometimes people were, people may say, oh, I was just having a, a, a bad day, bad day. Come see your therapist too, though, because sometimes there is something more going on. Maybe you got a new garment and it's not sitting right. Maybe, you know, your pump's not working the right way. Sometimes it could be something that we can help you problem solve too. I, I know there's, there's a lot of other stuff going on, but sometimes if it just seems that things aren't going right, sometimes they just aren't going right. And we can help you get them going in the right direction again. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Therapists are your allies. They're there to help you and you should definitely reach out to them whenever you have struggles or anything like that because they'll problem solve. They're really good at that. <laughs> um, speaking of therapists, we have a question um, that I think one of our therapists can help answer. John Sellers asked, can anybody tell me why my upper body, waist, legs, and back itch after I use the lymphopress on my legs? Would there be a correlation with that? And can either therapist sort of explain that phenomena, Karen? Never heard of that, but um, I'm wondering if that could be related to just increased overall circulation in the body, because um, sometimes um, people can experience uh, different sensations when circulation improves. So what do you think, Nazarene? I'm the worst at getting things on and off on my phone. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I have had people just because the lymphedema with lymphedema and lipedema, the skin is a little more fragile. So just even the pressure from the pump can be uncomfortable. And sometimes adding a barrier in can be helpful. So if you're doing it on bare skin, sometimes that can just irritate you a little bit more. So some people would use like a pillowcase or like a light stockinette or something along those lines. But I do agree just the changes in circulation, like Karen says, it, you know, it could just be that alone could be causing changes. Yeah, Blanche Pepitone just said in chat too, she says, I have that and it's the fluid moving for me. And NJ also experiences that regularly. So you're not alone in your itchiness. And <laughs> I, I I think if it goes away, um, you know, fairly quickly, then it's not something to worry about. If it's something that lasts for a day or two, then that's something that, you know, maybe you need to, to talk to your doctor about. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I just okay. had an epiphany. Oh, I have ahead. a lot of, 
I have a lot of Ooh. patients who get itchy after just garments, bandaging, everything. And sometimes it's just even the heat um, <laughs> from the devices, from the garments can cause that itching too. Yeah, Fenton just says he gets itchy after good wrapping. So he uses cool packs and topical cortisone to help. All right, Kelly, then Amanda. <laughs> You're muted, Kelly. Oh, you're still muted. Sorry. Sorry, Blanche just responded and she actually has central lymphatic issues as I do. And it, you can itch. It, it, it could be a symptom. So if it doesn't go away, like everybody says, you may have to start considering you may have an issue going on more centrally than just your lower legs. And so that's the awareness I keep finding to bring to the community is like, there are issues down there that could actually be symptomatic of something going on up here. So, I find my leg gets really itchy as it like refills. So I don't know if that might be a correlation. Like if you lose your size and then if you didn't like bandage or put your garments on right away, I find I will get itchy if I kind of let them like, oh, look, my, my legs are normal. And then I'll walk around the house and they just start to itch and itch and itch. And I think it's because of the refilling of the excess fluid. So maybe it might be helpful if you're like me. Don't be like me, post a child of what not to be, um, but maybe put on your garments or your bandages and moisturize too, because the skin is thin. My skin is thin. And I think that uh, that also is a, um, as an issue. Hi, Fenton. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> now, we had got an email um, earlier this week from a patient who had sustained an injury to her foot and she's been unable to tolerate her compression and her pump because it's just too much pain. And because she's not able to do her regular treatments, her leg is now swollen two or three times its normal size without the management tools. So she was wondering, and I wanted to posit it to the group, and she may be with us here tonight if she is, hello. Um, but are there any modifications that she could do with her therapy to help um, to avoid that pain, but also get that compression therapy that she needs with her pump or her compression garments or wraps? And she doesn't, she has a PCD51 lymphopress pump, which does not have the programmable chambers like the other two models do. So that's something else um, to consider. Karen, I saw you unmute. Yes. Okay. So first off, if you can't tolerate anything, get in the bathtub because most people can tolerate being surrounded by water and every foot of compression of every foot of water gives you 22 and a half millimeters of mercury compression. So if you end up living in the bathtub for a little while, um, you know, put in some Epsom salts, um, you know, make it a little healing environment and just take lots of baths. Okay, now to use your pump, um, what I love to do, and um, I blew everyone's minds when I mentioned this last time, but you can put on a slipper or a shoe or a crock, or you can even wrap your foot with a towel. And what I will often do with my patients in the clinic, um, especially if they have neuropathy and a lot of tenderness in their feet, is I will take a towel and I'll roll it up and I'll stuff it right in the end of the um, leg appliance. And I'll, I'll, you know, just stuff it in as far as their foot so that it's even wrapped around their foot a little bit. And that offloads the pressure tremendously so that you can tolerate, you know, tolerate it. Obviously you wanna tune your pump all the way down the first time you use it um, and, and just see how that feels. Um, you know, you can pad your leg with a pillow if you want to. I mean, there's all kinds of things to do. But um, it is tough, you know, recovering from an injury. I'd also suggest some Arnica because Arnica is evidence-based for sprains and strains and bruising. And a lot of people use both the Arnica cream as well as the Arnica pellets. Um, many people use it after surgery because it really accelerates healing. So those are some suggestions that I would make. Another suggestion is if you have a night garment that's quilted, 
that might be a little more comfortable or if you have an adjustable garment um, or you can even bandage because you can vary the pressure and you know make it a little bit lighter so um those are some ideas um i'm, I'm really sorry you hurt yourself and um you know i hope you can get it through get through it real quickly I'm still not over that croc tip that blew my mind the <laughs> first time you said it too. And Irene Stefan in the chat said the croc worked for her foot neuropathy also. And Ruth Adrian said uh, modifications that she uses with her lymphopress. She has hammer toes and the press was hurting her feet. So she put a washcloth over her foot, like Karen said, and it's much better. So these little modifications are great. Ben Benton. You're killing me every time. Fenton said, when I'm in water, AKA the pool, I'm a ballerina. I love that. <laughs> Amanda, go ahead. Um, I think from the question as well too, her leg blew up two, three times the size. You can still put compression on your legs. Um, you can do active wear. You can still do other things as well. And then also too, don't forget if you're sitting in bed and you can't put pressure, pump and flex those toes, still get movement. It, just because that foot is not your friend at this point in time, hoping it's not broken, obviously, but if there's still movement, still pop and press those feet, still try to get muscular contraction and still treat the rest of the leg as best as you can, um, just to keep that circulation to also manage the heaviness of the swelling throughout the other bits. Um, so I'm sorry about your foot, but still try to apply some things you can to the rest of the leg as well too. And John Hershinger, we're glad you're here tonight, John. He said that he's finding out that his compression and wraps are hard to do all day because of his restless leg syndrome, which makes his legs go crazy, feeling like bugs are crawling inside. Any suggestions? He also has very bad neuropathy. So this, I think you're referring to just regular like compression garments and wraps. Um, I think what Karen said about the bandages and having it a little looser um, in certain areas, um, or Nazarene, go ahead. Oh, I, I have a, a lot of patients because I work at a cancer center and I have a lot of patients with neuropathy and uh, a lot of times they have to change when they get home into, Karen was talking about that kind of quilted nighttime garment. So they may have to switch during part of the day when they're able to into something that is a little bit, has a little bit more of a give and they find that that's com more comfortable. And there, there are these Velcro um garments of that nighttime as well. So there's a little bit more variability so they can still decongest in them a little bit and reduce rather than, you know, just be in their nighttime garment all day. So they, they have really evolved those a lot, but I find my patients who have neuropathy that have difficulty even with our compression bandaging when we do them they do really well with those type of garments but sometimes just switching it up taking the garment off during the day elevating your leg up doing some exercise that really does help to just kind of change it do a little manual lymph drainage if you can do that use your pump just kind of switch it up throughout the day is helpful good advice oh, amanda <laughs> <laughs> I also think when you talk about the traditional methods like pumping, wrapping, compression garments, but I also don't think we spend enough time talking about variability with the products. There's multiple products, multiple options, multiple things like there's bandaging, there's ferro wraps, there's, there's lots of different things that are in the marketplace. So if you are having a not so great day using the quilted garments, start to find other tools that you can put in your toolbox. And instead of wearing a, maybe a 40 MMHG compression, maybe you're downgrading it to 30 or 20 that day. So learn how to play with all the different tools and don't just get narrow-minded of thinking of just one thing. Good point, Catherine. And sometimes I know for me, like I know I can't just walk around with a nighttime garment on if I need to, but what I'll do is I'll actually wrap my compression bandage on top of it to give it the support that it needs. So I can actually be mobile while having that quilted um, compression garment on so that this way it helps to, um, to keep it softer on my foot, but at the same time still getting the compression I need um within but that's something you would talk to your therapist or doctor about before utilizing so Catherine do you know about using a cast shoe um yes 
Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Cause, cause I and love I also, that. I also, when I get my night, my, my quilted garment, which I have a tribute, um, I actually get the, uh, what they call the, the skid pads. I get them on the outer jacket as well as the garment itself, because if I don't use the outer jacket, I want to make sure that I'm not going to slide across my, uh, vinyl floors. Um, so it does definitely does help to keep it, um, you know, if you're walking around barefoot and so you're not uneven, um, so you don't slip and fall. Right, right. And so just for those of you that don't know, um, you can actually purchase a cast shoe that people wear after they break their leg. And um, it you can walk out to the mailbox wearing your quilted um, compression and it will protect it. And then another trick I use is to uh, use those hospital slippy socks that have the non-skids on the bottom. And oftentimes you have to slit it a little bit to get it all the way over. Um, but that can be another option if you don't have um, the, the non-skid um, uh, cover that, that Catherine's talking about. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of life with lymphedema is coming up with little hacks and tips and tricks to make things work. And you kind of learn as you go, which um, it's why it's so great. We have communities where we can share these ideas and, and all that. And speaking of, so we are in our final couple minutes here of the last lymphedema patient roundtable of 2022, if you can believe it. Um, as we end, let's go around the panel. And if you had one thing on your lymphedema Christmas lips for uh, Lymphy Santa. What, what are you asking Lymphedema Santa for this year? If, if you could ask him for anything, it could be silly or serious. Nazarene. <laughs> I'm going to say free garments for all my patients. Yes. Love That's that. What right. Please Santa get on that. <laughs> what else is on people's lists? <laughs> I'm gonna piggyback on that and say that um, I'm hoping that the Lymphedema Treatment Act passes. We might get that this year. We might get it. John says, no cats allowed. That's, that makes me sad. <laughs> Cause my cat was here. <laughs> uh, Catherine, what's on your wish list? The Lymphy Santa. Mm. Well, Santa granted me wish earlier in the year. So um in in for Christmas in July. So I just want basically for others to be able to benefit from the knowledge that we can share from what we've learned. Um, because I know me personally have has definitely had that ability from a secret elf known as Kelly over there. Um has been magically able to help me in a great deal. So I want other people to be able to benefit from that as well. Awesome. Amanda, how about you? I'm gonna piggyback on Nazarene and Karen. Um, compression garments for all and just recognition in my province that lymphedema is an illness. Um, arm lymphies seem to get covered instead of leg lymphies. So bridging the gap and just kind of understanding that lymphedema is lymphedema, no, no matter if it's head, neck, arm, genitals, or legs. Benton said he needs about $230 million to open up all his, his all-inclusive lymphedema treatment and training center, groundbreaking next December. <laughs> Santa's going to get out his checkbook, Fenton. <laughs> and Tina says, Lymphedema Santa, please bring us providers in every state that know what this really is and how to treat it and guide everyone through the journey. I agree. Angela, what's on your wish list? I wish for myself and for others continued self-acceptance. And also going into the holiday season, I'm encountering a lot of people who don't know how to say no. Um, and they overload themselves, which is definitely not good for this condition. So I would wish that people um, would be okay just saying no and setting boundaries. No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Kelly, what's on your list? Um, peace and a cure. I'm just going to be a cure. We start looking at 
causes. I love that. Short, sweet, and to the point. It's all-encompassing. All well, my wish list for Santa is that you all continue to join us in the new year. These roundtables are one of my favorite part of the month. Um, the community and the fellowship that we have and the ability to just connect with one another is so meaningful. And for a lot of people, this is the only time they get to talk to other lymphedema patients. And so we really take that seriously. And, and we are so grateful to be here for all of you. And we hope you join us in the new year. I just put a link in the chat to register. Um, if you haven't already, we're here every second Tuesday of every month at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're just so grateful to be able to, to be here with all of you. So with that, this is the end of the year of roundtables. Um, we're so glad that you were here with us tonight and we'll see you next Next year, everybody. Have a great evening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Lymphedema Patient Roundtable podcast. You can watch the video on TLC, the Lymphedema channel on YouTube or on Instagram IGTV at lympha underscore press. For information on the most advanced pneumatic compression therapy in the world, visit lymphopress.com.